Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzari Financial Services. With Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, I'm Tim Priester. We are back from the Bronx, from New York City. Notre Dame, a convincing 36-3 to victory over Syracuse. I'm not sure it was that close. It really wasn't, because Notre Dame could have easily been in the 40s and, and 50s. And um, What did you guys think of the explanation that Dino Babers gave for kicking the field goal? <laughs> I think he forgot he did it twice. Like, it makes sense on the last one. You think, all right, this game's over, whatever. Anyway, he he mentioned that if you kick the first one. See, the first one he said, if we kick the field goal, then we're going to go for an onside kick and try to score a touchdown or whatever. But that's different than the last one where it's just the end of the game. But but he said, I mean, he also said there's no way we're going to win the football game at that point. But you do those things. Anyway, but he made a comment about... Injuries that could occur yeah. on a on a regular play from scrimmage, right? It's a word salad. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a, a, word, it was an opposing word salad. Earlier in the press conference, he said he didn't even know what the score was. It was so dominating. I, I think that he was just like, I don't know, whatever happened, yeah. happened. Like, But if I was an AD, that would really be one of my questions interviewing potential head coaches. Do you kick a field goal down 30 points <laughs> in the final two I mean, minutes? It's, and if the answer is yes, I'm not hiring him. It's his, it's his team, so he can do whatever he wants. Uh, if he wants to get on the board, I, I, I don't... I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, it looked we, worse. Kelly's thirty-six to three with a field goal. Yeah, I guess so. Kelly's Kelly's reaction both to the field goal that hit off the crossbar, the amusement that he got from that, and then I think kind of just being annoyed by the the second attempt. But what, whatever that that I mean, it's Dino Baber's team. He can coach it however he wants. Julian to coach Love. It. We asked Julian Love about the field goal after the game. He goes, "I mean, the kicker." Kicked a good kick, I guess. That's <laughs> just the best response. <laughs> well, anyway, Nordheim's defense dominated the game start to finish. Great pass rush. Uh, the the comment that I made in the instant analysis after the game about that it wasn't ferocious, I didn't follow through with my point. My point was it didn't matter whether Nordheim had a pass rush or not because the secondary had them blanketed on the back end. So you put the two together, and and, and they were just tremendous. I mean, Julian O'Carr is ridiculous, and the, I, we can go down and name this – the same guys over and over again, but they do it every game, and they brought it. This was the best that they had been defensively against a, you know, I yeah, mean, obviously against an offense yeah. that, that that really is capable of scoring points. I mean, very rarely do you hear an opposing coach sort of admit how outclassed he was, um, you know, talent-wise, but then Notre Dame just – destroyed them schematically and preparation-wise as well, which is no really doubt. impressive. Because like, no, clearly, everyone knows that Notre Dame has more raw material than Syracuse, but for them to maximize that material, and, and I guess defensively, because I agree with what you said to open, like the 36-3 to score was sort of flattering for Syracuse. Right. I mean, that, that could have been 52-0. to zero. Um, It was that dominating performance. So I, I have to give like Notre Dame staff a ton of credit because – not only are are we seeing some new things offensively, um, maybe it's harder to pick out things defensively in terms of like coverages and. And, and they're doing they're doing like some that. more zone, you know, yeah. Tillery's dropping I, back, and they're right. doing a little bit more of that. But to have them wired the way that they were wired um, with everything that's going on around is is just impressive. Well, you talk to the defensive players after the game, and it's clear they. <laughs> They had the game plan. They knew what they were doing. That when Syracuse did something, they said, "Yep, that's what we plan for." And you know, I mean, Jalen Elliott saying, "Yep, that's mine," before he even catches the football on the interception. And you know, Tranquil is the one that said, "You know, we knew this, we knew that when they did this." You know, because he's in coverage on Taj Harris, and I and I'm sure uh, um, that's Dungy's throw, right? 
That was from, uh, that was, no, yeah. Gunji's only pick was Elliot. So that was DeVito. Is there you talk about the pick by Gilman when he helped out Trinkle Deep? Yeah, I yeah, keep, that, I keep getting those Gunji, confused Gunji's in my head pick, now, but it yeah. Was the first, yeah. yeah. But, uh, anyway, they knew what they were doing and it showed. And, uh, you know, it was good to have Ian Book back. Brian Kelly was, I think, a little nitpicky with his game afterwards, uh, which, you know, I mean, he knows better than we do with the, the nuances of it, and I get that. But in the grand scheme of things, it was great to have him back. He's, he's dealing again. Uh, they didn't run him nearly as much for obvious reasons, and they didn't have to. I talked about this, wrote about this this morning, and Pete, that I mentioned it, is that his, uh, is that his floor, Ian Book? Yeah, I mean, initially... 62% we, yeah, probably, yeah. Pit, we had this pit, conversation pit. after Pitt, um, if that was an off game for Ian Book, like the the worst of the off games, then like, where does that leave you offensively? Um, I thought he was he was fine. Yeah, I did too. I, I, he like, struggled I, against Pitt. I, he, I didn't think he really struggled in this He game. didn't know, yeah, Pittsburgh, I don't think he knew what was happening around him. Especially um, the first two and a half quarters. Right. Yeah. With Syracuse, I thought he was fine. I, I guess I just didn't really see it the way that Brian Kelly saw it. Um, you know, uh, you yeah. know, I know he he had a he had a, a read option misread that got Dexter Williams dumped for a two yard loss. And again, nuances. I okay. mean, you know, we yeah. don't we don't we don't know some of the nuances of that that it's he's hard looking to say for. Pitts' worst game though when he goes fourteen for fifteen that second half. I mean, <laughs> right, so just the first half was yeah. so off. Right, exactly. right, right. I totally right. Agree. He, he put he them was, behind. He, was he partly not, put them behind. Right, he, yeah. he didn't understand what was happening. Right, he looked flummoxed in the first half right. against Pittsburgh. Syracuse, which, I felt like he, he felt, yeah. looked like he was in control. He had to like sort of see things happen and adjust. And, and you know, if, if you want to say he had a little bit of rust, I guess that's fine. Right. Um, I but, like he, the I mean, the offensive line didn't play nearly as well as it did last week. Um, you know, I think the Syracuse have seven tackles for a loss in the game um, after pitching a shutout in that. Yeah, well, they, yeah, like the, like the fifth snap of the game they already had a tackle for loss or... I feel like if Book didn't trip on fourth down and stayed up and threw a touchdown he'd have thrown three touchdowns no picks and no one would have said a word about Ian Book's yeah I don't even right? I don't even count that as a pick because it was fourth down so yeah, you had to you know you're throwing it, was it a anyway score in the red zone yeah that's part of it yeah and that was a disappointing thing I mean four opportunities at uh, three field goals in the the interception and I'm uh I'm getting a little anxious in the press box in that's game great. 11 <laughs> so Tim wasn't sitting near me this one. He said I didn't see the text. He was sitting by the heaters. I didn't see. <laughs> if you want to continue the theme yeah, of damn the right coats I was. and heaters, I was in the front without a coat. But uh, I got a text from Tim, and I didn't see it. They're back to back. Like this is really worrying me. The field goals, and this is I hadn't seen it until it was about twenty-seven. To He's like, well, now I feel better. When they went up twenty to nothing, yeah, and that's it, what and it was, and yeah. because I mean, you're still expecting Syracuse to do something offensively, but I think by the time. We, Nordame scored 20. I think you were realizing, especially with Dungey out, because that really limited that, what they could do. Yeah, the game was over. Yeah, that, that was... Dungey tapped out, yeah, the game was over. You know, I had, I had watched film of DeVito, and he'd been very impressive, but he'd been impressive with his arm, not his feet. Yeah. And I, I wasn't quite aware of how immobile... I mean, not immobile, but immobile compared to Dungey, because that's Dungey's game. That's why Dungey's hurt every year, is because he's, you know, he's throwing his body around uh, a lot. And he's 6'4", so he's... You know, he's probably trying to dish out a little bit of punishment, too, along the way. That's not what happened in this instance. No, but I in no way want to insinuate that Dungy's not much better than DeVito, because actually we talked about it during the game. I was like, I just think Dungy's way better. The, Stan- or Stanford, the Syracuse media 
three weeks ago, it was either during or after the North Carolina game, was calling to bench Dungy for DeVito. So it's not like DeVito is not capable. Well, DeVito, eyes, DeVito you know, replaced them against North Carolina. They were struggling the against, yeah, they, so they were, were struggling. So written after that game that he should start. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, we don't, that, I mean, that's the difference between covering a program and covering another program, and we just don't have enough to know that. But anyway, once DeVito came in, and, and again, the Notre Dame players, it's like, I think it was Julian Love, it's like, well, we knew that he wasn't, we knew that he wasn't going to be as mobile. And so they were able to pin their ears back with their defensive linemen, and uh, they were ferocious. Love's honesty after games was pretty, because he was a very humble <laughs> guy when you talk to him on the surface. <laughs> Sometimes you get how confident he is when we asked him, when did you feel like you had down what they're doing? As well, you know, we went to the sidelines after about the second series, like, all right, we got this. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, Aloe Gilman was the same way. Yeah. They, it was just, it was not, they were not only very well prepared, they were aware of how well prepared they were, um, which is, you get confidence yeah. from that. That's I what mean, I'm saying. Jalen Elliott's, I mean, Jalen Elliott owned that field the other night. That's the way he, he walked around. I, I don't know if you guys were around there, but I actually got Julian Love to say um, that he made a comment to Todd Light during the week that, I think we're going to dominate these guys. So yeah, that's him. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean that they is were, Julian Love in reality. Yeah, and, and they they were as dialed in. What you're saying, Pete? I mean, they were absolutely dialed in via Clark Lee. Of course, uh, they they knew exactly what they wanted to do and what they needed to do. Yep, there he is. All right, well, um, <laughs> we have video screens open. Yeah, we're we're that. watching the game while while speaking. But uh, I did want to get you know the run game was. Not good. I mean, you had a 44-yard run, a 44-yard run by Wimbush, and 32-yard touchdown run by Dexter Williams in, in the last drive. And prior to that, they really were not very good. I gave running game a D plus. You kind of feel weird doing that when it's 36-3. to But I don't think you should feel weird at all. No, I mean, I, yeah. I, I actually had C-. minus. It's like I can't, I can't justify keeping it in the C department. They, they struggled. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's. They're going to struggle uh, to run the ball in the playoffs, and they're going to need Ian Book to pass them and the defense to win the game for them. Yeah. That's what I wrote when people yelled at me for saying the offensive Absolutely. line couldn't win a big game. I mean, I, I don't mean Syracuse and USC. We're talking about Clemson. We're talking about Clemson. I mean, they're going to run through. Did you see the stats against USC, the UCLA running game? Yeah. yeah. They are going to. They, run, run, their offensive line is going to look good next UCLA's week. running back set a record in the UCLA-USC series. Isn't he a UC Davis transfer? Is he really? Like I believe he had like two hundred. He almost had three hundred yards. He owns that area right now. Right. He, is a, he almost um, had three hundred yards. Yeah, I mean, they're their backs. Twenty-two carries, one hundred two yards against Northwestern's twenty-six carries, seventy-six yards. I think that. I mean, that's that will get it done if Ian Book is also greenlit to run, which he's like was yeah. sort of more of a yellow light on against Syracuse. The quick passing game is on point, which it was, God, and then brilliant. you're and you're able to throw deep shots. Um, I think no, the the short passing game will have to be a replacement for the running game to like take that that turn of phrase. Yeah, are you saying an extension of Not, the running I'm, game? Oh, so I'm skipping the extension. <laughs> I'm just saying replace it. Um, and then the running the running game could be an extension of the short passing game because yes. right? that's that's really what like you have to have the threat of Dexter Williams up the middle for 50 yards, which means you're going to have to have a bunch of eight or nine, eight or nine carries that go for one or two yards. Right. And that, and that is okay. I think people just need to get used to that. 
But um, it was more extreme than that. Yeah, you know, it was after the Florida right. State. Yeah, game I'm just saying moving forward. Yes. Yeah, I um, think it's because after Florida State where they ran so well, and Syracuse was vulnerable to the run all year. Yeah, and yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, let's see, Kramer, Kramer had a hold. Hainsey had three false starts. Yeah. Eichenberg had one. Um, you know, just the, the Brock, operation. Brock Wright had the Some, hold. Somebody uh, stepped on Ian Book, I guess. Um, Kramer it was, was it Kramer. Kramer. The, I wrote the one <laughs> today's tale of the tape. Yeah. The one time that Tommy Kramer shows quick feet, yeah, <laughs> just too quick. Um, <laughs> but he was under center. I mean, they're not. He's just not. Yeah, destined to be. like the offensive line. I, I just didn't think played very well. Um, no, I, and, and they Kelly can, didn't either. They can play better without us judging them against last year's offensive line. Oh, well, they played um, better last week. Exactly. So, but yeah, you know, can they run all over USC? Yes, but I, I'd say if you if you gave me. 22 carries for 102 yards from Notre Dame's running backs against Clemson, I would say, wow, great performance. Um, that that's I, th- I think you sort of have to grade that group on a curve a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Last thing in this segment, uniforms. I, 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 I forgot they changed after I looked down. They were fine. I wrote I this, and then yeah. I saw, I wrote this today in Tale of Tape, and then I saw somebody tweet it as well, and I, I this is my perspective. In person, I really like them. On TV – I kind of get where where people were coming from. I don't really care for the. Am I really talking about this? I I'm talking about uniforms against yeah. Alabama in the championship game. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say one thing I that I absolutely love, and if anybody wants to buy me this for Christmas, they can. I want one of those helmets on my bar. I think those helmets are cool. I like them. I know they're not traditional gold. I know they're not really fancy. You're right. You're a baseball fan, right? Yes. Okay. So, like a batting helmet with a Notre Dame sticker on it that would that would appeal to you maybe more than the, the average. You're person. saying that that's what it looks like. It's I'm a saying batting that helmet is what it looks. That. That's what it was. <laughs> that's what it is. It was either a batting helmet or a Darth Vader helmet with a Notre Dame sticker on the side. But I mean, it's so bold for Notre Dame to not wear gold, and I, I just you I know, Justin Tucker <clears> said to me before the game. He literally said, "I can't believe how much this university and program has changed," and I wasn't 100 percent sure what he meant. And like five seconds later, I was 100% sure he meant. He meant, look at all these things they do now. Like, they didn't go to Yankee Stadium and change the oh, uniforms yeah, and do all yeah, that stuff. Ch- yeah, Justin like, Tuck, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's long, a long time ago. That's a long time ago. That's a hell. They were, be- they, were, they were barely offering scholarships before the football banquet in December. At that point. There was a football banquet. There was a, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I still refer to it as banquet. But. Yeah, I mean there was a there was a time not that long ago where they weren't offering scholarships until December. Can you imagine? No, actually, <laughs> I forgot about that. That's ridiculous. So, <laughs> I mean, Lou Holtz dealt with that all the time. They were not offering scholarships until they came in for the banquet, and banquets would be, you know, there'd be three or three dozen players coming in town that weekend, and it was huge. But that's how they landed Abdel Banda back then. <laughs> I said Holtz, like I'm not... No, I'm talking uh, about William yeah. the Willingham Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, segment two, burning up the boards, questions from our readers. Be right back. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller. We start with a question 
from a familiar name, Wash ND. After seeing Notre Dame dismantle Syracuse, do you think the gap, if there is one, between Notre Dame and Clemson is smaller than the gap between Clemson and Alabama? Uh, interesting way to yeah yeah it's yeah, a good it. question. Um, I know. I mean, I spent some time writing about this today. That just if anything came out of this weekend, it should be that we should be discussing the Notre Dame Clemson gap and never mention the Notre Dame Michigan gap ever again. Absolutely yeah. correct. Um, that's what that's one of the things Notre Dame achieved that nobody at Notre Dame would tell you on the record, but right. that that is one of the takeaways as far as. I mean, I had some people tweeting at me, like, if the committee had any uh, balls, they would rank Notre Dame ahead of Clemson based on compare. Like, no, I don't I don't feel that way, having watched Clemson, right. that Notre Dame should be ahead of Clemson. But I do think there's, there's, there's Alabama and Clemson. Those are the clear best two teams. But then I think Notre Dame has sort of separated itself from the rest a, of- a pack of Michigan, Georgia, and Oklahoma to be three, and three by itself. I would say... I would be more surprised if Clemson beats Alabama than if Notre Dame beats Clemson is the only way I can answer this question. That's fair. I cannot still in my mind get around someone beating Alabama right now, which whatever, it's fine. It, 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 we're not the ones that have to talk about it happening. Someone has to do it. So so you think the gap between Clemson and Alabama is bigger than the gap between Notre yeah, Dame and only Clemson? The, that's the only way I can say my it. Only hesitation, I think they can beat Clemson and I don't think Clemson can beat Alabama. Yeah, my only hesitation with that is that Clemson – been there, done that. I mean, that that's my greatest concern against Notre Dame, that they have been in this situation multiple times in recent years. And and there's that, that education gap, so to speak, that Notre Dame walking into a scenario like this. I I, I disagree with O'Malley. Okay. I think that Clemson could beat Alabama. And is, that that's is kind of what like, I... That's yeah. more likely to happen than Notre Dame beating Clemson. That's kind of what I think Based right on now. the matchups. The you know Notre Dame's offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line, or as I think Clemson has a really good offensive line, and a, a like look Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame all have great defensive lines. Um, but I just I I like the experience factor that Priester mentioned about Clemson that Notre Dame clearly does not have. Um, that just would and look Alabama has been dominant about everybody they played except for the first half against Citadel. But in retrospect, awesome. I mean, you do look back and it's like, well, I mean, Louisville obviously is awful. We can't use that. LS, Clemson hasn't LSU, played a single soul other than Texas A&M. That, I mean, that's really Alabama's best win, is it not? I mean, yeah. LSU cannot score. What, the Citadel? Oh, no. no. LSU. A- yeah, yeah. But Clemson, <laughs> we can't use schedules to talk about how good Clemson yeah. is, though. They have, they've had the worst trend down of anybody. I mean, Notre Dame beat Michigan. Clemson beat Syracuse by four and won at a and I think it's just the style of performances. That's fine. I totally am cool with that. that. I'm that saying I, we don't bring in I, I, I don't. I don't understand discounting the style of the game. No, I, I'm with you on the style of the game. I, I think Clemson's better than Notre Dame. I'm saying I could see an upset happening. I feel This is more of an Alabama commentary. I, I think Alabama's just going to run away in the second half against whoever they play in the championship game. Like I that's, just think they're going to keep going and going and going and going, and all of a sudden they have 49 points and you thought you're in the game at the halftime, and that they're just exactly like the Citadel, really good. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to turn Clemson or Notre Dame in the Citadel, which is great. But um, yeah, I, I just think that if we're if we talk about who anyone's beaten, that's pointless. Look how good Alabama is. Look how good Clemson is, and look how good Notre Dame has looked at their best. And Notre Dame does have the best second best win or best win yeah. in the country. And I would I, I, I like your point, Pete, that you know Clemson Alabama here, but then Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, 
I think I slightly differ in the night. Mine, I slightly differ. I don't see Alabama losing. I can see Clemson yeah. losing. That's no, it's a good point. question. So it's it's debate on both sides. I do want to, before we move on to the next question, you know, you said the Nordium kind of wanted to put that behind the whole Michigan thing behind them, and I and I get that. But did you notice that BK had a comment, uh, you know, basically about that, that we did, we want people to understand, and you know what, we're pretty good too. He's campaigning without campaigning yet. I, I yeah. want to interject on Michigan's behalf as a committee as a committee member. You don't really just ha- get IU into your stadium on senior day and walk away with that. I mean, those are the Hoosiers, Tim, in November. Those guys come in <laughs> well, they're with cl- something that you I, have I, to deal with. I, I kept listening to you to see how serious you were, and I actually I believe you to the extent that Indiana's offense can be no. problematic to a lot of people. I was 100% That's true. Uh, making fun I understand of you. that. I understand <laughs> that. But Indiana, the one thing that in just about any season that Indiana can do is move the football. I, everybody can have a bad game, of course. Michigan's been playing really well, but now we don't have to listen to well, how they're playing their best football. And, and so here, you know, so here I'm the one that kept saying, I, I you know, I don't want to talk about this Nordane Michigan thing. So what do I do? I lead my column <laughs> with a reference to it, but I thought it was clever, so I stuck yeah. with it. Okay, at ND Fight Irish, the secondary had its best performance of the season against Syracuse. Was it a result of building for this kind of performance all season and everything finally clicked? Or was there something they changed up in the scheme and personnel that made the difference Saturday? I mean, I think it's building for seasons, plural. Um, I think that this was a build from the disaster of 2016 to sort of the triage of Mike Elko and sort of turning Notre Dame's back of the defense into like a competent group to then taking it this year and making it a real strength of the team at the safety position. So it's... um, I think Notre Dame's been building to this point for years. I mean, that when you start freshmen, eventually you'll be starting juniors who have played 30 games plus, and that's where Notre Dame is right now. You think of the uh, Troy Pride's experience, Julian Love's experience, now Jalen Elliott's experience. Troy Pride's healthy again. Yeah. Uh, Julian Love is one He played of, great. Julian Love he, is one of the... If he's not the best corner in the country, he's one of the three best corners yeah. in the country. He, he's the best all-around corner in the country. There's other guys that'll project better the NFL. But do you want to trade them for Julian Love? You want, would you trade Julian Love off his team for a corner? There's no, no reason. Uh, Alohi Gilman, without I don't want to overstate it, but he is going to be at the end of his career, whether it's next year or if he comes back for the fifth, because he's already trending that way. A great college safety. He's a he's a very very safety. good college safety right now. And he I, makes and, plays. Man. And I would. I mean, I, I mean, not even just the interception, although this was a big part of it. Jalen Elliott was playing like a great safety on Saturday. He did. I, I think Elliott actually, um, I was trying to figure, fill out a something at the end of the Monday musings for people to talk about. I have, when I, I did top 12 going to the 12 games, I included Jalen Elliott on Notre Dame's team as a top 12 player this year. Preseason? No, no, now, right now, the game. Oh, sure, absolutely. That's an over and all. Boy, and there's a defense. There, there's, there's a lot to choose from I now. I, it was. I mean, I looked at it. and I was like, I think he's had better than thirteen and fourteen. I had for trust factors. Like I had Claypool and Fink thirteen and fourteen. It's so difficult to do because now, now when you start talking yeah. about Claypool, Fink, and and Boykin, I mean they Boykin are playing. Was on. They're playing. On the top 12. Yeah, they're yeah. playing. They're playing tremendous football. I just want to say now is top twelve. Yeah, the whole year well, you have it. Right, right. Yeah, He's yeah. been tremendous the last three or four games. Uh, I just want to, in relation to the question that it, you know, did everything mm-hmm. finally click? Nordin went into this game second in the country in yards per pass attempt against them. So I mean they've been really, really. They they haven't necessarily had. A bunch of picks and are up, you know, in the top twenty in the country. 
Uh, and I realized in this game they had three, and so that that's hugely significant. But this has been a good pass defense all year. Pete pointed out, I think on a tweet, they're number two pass efficiency defense behind Michigan. If Ian Book would have played against Michigan, they might be number one. Uh, that's true. Great. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, sure. There's a big swing there when your guy throws three touchdowns and no picks versus one on one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, now those are two really good defensive lines that make their secondary. Right. Race. I mean, I, I tend not to. No, I'm no. I'm just. I'm, I'm saying yeah. that they are. Uh, they've been trending this. They're they're really good. I think they're underrated because they do give up. They have the tendency of giving up the short pass, which is I get is always going to make fans mad, right? It looks like you should be on a guy. Uh, a Ten yard slant. Well, if you don't, if you don't realize that there has to be give somewhere, yeah, someplace in the defense they, that they tackle great, they choose to give it there. That's their give. Yeah, they don't allow the deep pass. I tried to say to Kelly after the Northwestern game, you know, you until that touchdown, you didn't allow anything deep. He goes, "That's that's us. That's us this year. We don't. It's not this game. We don't allow yeah. big plays. You do have to give up something in the modern era. I mean, the ball that you have to cover so much field." Yeah, oh my god, it's incredible. So you, if you tackle well, you should give up short passes is what you're giving up. I mean, that's the way Notre Dame's defense is built this year, and it's the same way it was built last year. They they were below average in 10-yard gains allowed, but near the top in everything else. That's that's just what they want you to try to do to them. Until right. you run into a top two or three quarterback, that's going to work on it, most defensive drives, right? Right. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. And then, you know, now you throw in the component of just – I mean, when when is the last time we've seen a pass rush like this from Notre Dame? Nineteen eighty two. Serious? No, I mean, I really no. They, you really do. I, mean, I think really, you really do have to go. You have to go back to the Lou Holtz era, as usually when you're trying to compare to greatness, that's what you end up doing. They had a really good pass rush uh, until Tua got hurt in 2012. Like the first seven <laughs> games, though, you were all over. But people, the consistent I mean. pressure on the quarterback, the way this group does, no, probably not as good as this. I'm just saying we we. Until two, you remember he had a hernia injury yeah. um, against Stanford. Those first six games, it was all they did. They they had a great pass rush. Yeah. We couldn't imagine. It was amazing what Tua and Shembo were doing against yeah. Michigan mm-hmm. State and Michigan. Um, but that's a contained six game set too. That's not the same as yeah. what they've done this yeah. year. This is the best one I think. CMU Penn's fan. The poor running attack versus Syracuse. More of what the Orange did to load the box, or more of the Jekyll and Hyde nature of the ND offensive line. I have not watched the game closely enough to know. Like the the hats in the box. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think that there. I didn't, I didn't necessarily track that specifically. I don't think that there was an overabundance of hats in the box. Yeah, I just, I just, don't, I, I don't think the great. offensive line got very much push. I don't even know. I don't even know who I would say had the best game along the offensive line. Which normally, I, I mean, normally there's somebody that yeah. I think stands out, and I don't. I, poor Robert Hainsey. I really want to ask Brad Kelly about. You know, and coaches always a guy jumps, and coaches are always pissed off at the the guy that jumped. But I mean, there's got to be there's some other factors involved here when 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 that happens. And I don't, you know, I mean, wh- why all of a sudden would would Hainsey maybe have difficulty with uh, the pace of, yeah. of books cadence? I, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I don't even I don't know. I came in late to Muster for talking about it. He talked about the false starts, but he talks about it as a line unit, obviously, all the time. Yeah, player. He said what I. What I say to the guys, if there's penalties, is can you block him? Are you, are, are you thinking you can't block him? Is that why this is happening? And when they say no, we just need to clean this operation up. It's not if you can't block him, we're going to get you help. We're going to bring the tight end over. Right, gonna... and you got to have that kind of honesty. Yeah, if, that, if I, that's yeah, they happening, have, they have honesty about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, no, exactly. I I just think it's 
Liam Eikenberg is still a young starter. Uh, um, and Flutie made the comment that he's been rock solid this year. I, I'd stop short saying rock solid. I think he's I think he's had an okay first year as a starter on the offensive line, but he needs two more years in order to maximize his ability. So he's a young starter. Banks has started four games. Um, you know, I don't think Mustafer's having a great year. Kramer lost his job. He's gotten it back. And Hainsey had, you know, his issues on Saturday. So I just think it's a – when you look at the composition of this offensive line, I don't think it's surprising that it's inconsistent. I mean, because it really has been – I mean, if you look at the last six games, it's been up, down, 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 up, down, up, down, or whatever. I think they did have a little bit extra in the box, but that's what – the point they, they were always going to do that against Notre Dame. You you were definitely going to have to try to stop Notre Dame's running game. I mean Claypool, Claypool of all you know he's the student of the game. But I talked to Claypool after the game, and he's like, yeah, as soon as we saw that they were bringing someone down late, right. we knew and that we were going to have a mismatch somewhere. And there were a lot of one on one plays. I mean, okay, Pete's looking. There's seven in yeah. the. There's eight. There's eight in the box eight on that half. one play. I mean, I, I, but I mean Notre Dame is in a two tight end with a fullback, so right. that's not really a great right. example right. of that. You know, if you have nine guys to block eight in the box, so whatever. When they, when they, you know, I mean, yeah, I think you when, answered the question. It's Jekyll and Hyde, right? Yeah, it's it just is. It's line. just, it's just the Nate. It's the makeup of this offensive line. It, it, we shouldn't be surprised when you look at, at the 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 relative the great inexperience that this line has. That it's still struggling at times in certain situations. Uh, at Fritz Turnalika three, do you have concerns with the Irish trying to work Brandon Wimbush? Into thrive into a thriving offense and essentially essentially taking plays away from the proven weapons. Pete, I know you comment about this, and I yeah, totally agree. I do have I have concerns about it. I don't think they're serious about doing it. Um, but the notion that I mean, I, I guess I don't like the response that people have of like he's too good an athlete not to have on the field because that doesn't make any sense to me. Because you're is he better than Dexter Williams or Jafar Armstrong or Finn Claypool or Boykin or Komet or Mack? Like. All at, those, at guys, those positions, all those guys have been practicing those positions <laughs> all year. To think that you can Wimbush is such a it's not he's not Michael Vick. You can't just throw him out there and expect him to go do something. I mean, it, just in terms of mobility, I think functional mobility. Ian Book is more comfortable moving around than Wimbush is on the move behind the line of scrimmage. Right. Now, straight shot down the field, Brandon Wimbush is is special. But that is such a small part. Like, if you're going to run, like, a tunnel screen to him or something, then I could see it. But I would much rather you throw the ball to Chris Fink in that situation. Because yeah, I, I, I know he can make people miss just I, fine. I would, if you, if anything, I'd hand it to him and hand it to him on a reverse or, or yeah, you know, something I, that, that, that gets the defense motion going one way and thinking the other. If, if you can break, first of all, I agree completely with Pete that it's not a real thing. I don't think they're really yeah. doing this. To it's feature. just like we're going to throw this out there, yep. so USC is paying attention. And I think uh, they're trying to do it. Maybe they try, Avery Davis it hasn't worked out great. Now they'll try it with Brandon Wimbush. Keeps USC paying attention. Keeps a playoff defense paying attention. I like if you're going to do it, you can hand the ball in a jet sweep when he's running as fast as he can, and then just has to turn it yes. up and make a cut. But you got to fake it to him about ten times before he gets it just to be part. <laughs> no, to be part of the attack. Hippie, oh, here comes Brandon Wimbush. There's a fifty percent chance he's getting a jet yeah. sweep. It's got to be a lot of stuff off of that. It just it, it's it, it's at the stage of the season where it just isn't worth all the. the I think thought. they might have shelved the Davis thing for now, and they and they had they practiced Wimbush in the spot. Someone uh, yeah. tweeted this to me. It's like if Notre Dame was eight and three, go for it, just try it, see what happens. But they're eleven and zero. I don't think they do it until eight just and three. Yeah, I mean, I the, think it's the, just pre- a, 
I just I think don't it's know. A practice time is so precious at this, you know, because they're cutting back. They're trying to arrest guys, and and that's why I thought they might have shelved the Davis situation. Yeah, he's the I, I just wouldn't think. I agree with you. I just wouldn't think that there would be a whole lot of time and effort in practice given to this under the circumstances. At ND underscore fighting Irish. This is actually his second question, but I thought both of them this were good. Really the two-back scheme with Armstrong and Williams has been very successful against Florida State and Syracuse. Do you think we'll start to see this used more regularly, or will Chip Long mainly use this to create misdirection against defenses in the red zone? Uh, it's something that I addressed in Tale of Tape last week, and again, this week there was a series of plays last week, I think like five in a row, where they ran two-back, and it was very successful. Yeah, it was all uh, at the they, end of the game. Yes, it was, and they motioned. That was when uh, Armstrong had like a 22-yard run, and they motioned Williams away, which is – Naturally, the defense followed him a little bit, and it was a good play. And and so, and this call, the touchdown by Armstrong, was absolutely perfect. You faked the pitch to to Williams and 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 gave it to Armstrong, and there was no trouble. So, I think it's interesting. I think it's a, a, a certainly another facet of the Chip Long offense. I'm sure they'll continue to explore it. You don't want to overexpose it too much, but you've run it in the last two weeks and had some success with it. The the numbers on that they have run. I have not done the Syracuse charting yet, but two back carries. They've had 33 for the year. 18 of them were against Florida State. So, well, they weren't together until the. Uh, they the weren't healthy. Yeah, they weren't healthy together. Um, I mean, they were, you know, and like Avery Davis wasn't really ready yeah. to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, Armstrong and Williams. I think it's together. just, it's, it's all part of, I think, one of the reasons you can be even more optimistic about Notre Dame than you already may be is that the offense is adding inventory like that third down pass to Tony Jones I thought was like it was just, it was a thing of beauty what where he came out of the backfield oh, yeah and then the middle. like Mac and I think Fink, maybe Fink yeah, were like Fink. crossing to yep. throw blocks I yep. was just like wow this this is it's just really good offense. That was the happiest Brian Kelly has ever been about a strategic question I've asked him. He was so happy he yeah. got to answer that post game. <laughs> it was a great. I mean, first of all, it was third and fifteen to yeah. convert, and then they came back the other way. Yeah, with Dexter. It was a yeah. great way to work it in. Uh, my this two back scheme. I think they would want to run even more if Armstrong can be healthy, completely healthy. Because as Brian Kelly said Thursday, he's not going to be one hundred percent until the end of the year. I need him to be. He's this new line that works great. I need you to be every percent of what you are, one hundred percent of what yeah. you are, eighty percent. Right. I, this makes so much sense that Jafar Armstrong, when he had to sit out, did not come back fully healthy. Because what do we talk about all spring? What happens when Jafar Armstrong gets banged around a little bit for the first time being a running back? It's not a normal life. You're leading. Right. <laughs> he's, it's really hard to be. And, he's, and he struggled with it. Yeah. And he got hurt in spring and missed a good yeah. portion of the spring. And that's why they were talking more about Avery Davis than they were Jafar Armstrong at that time. I think it's a huge part of the playoff game. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. And I, I, I can distinctly remember talking about this when he when Armstrong was hurt, that they need him back because they need that pairing and the, not only another running back, but the possibilities of the two back, which really Chip Long has wanted to run for yeah. two years and hasn't been able to fully explore that. Denver Maximus. I am with you, Tim Priester, about the Notre Dame run defense not passing the eye test against the run these past three games, Northwestern, Florida State, and Syracuse, even though the stats suggest otherwise. USC, Alabama, Clemson, and Michigan all have pretty good run defenses. Should we be worried? I think the last two weeks, and again, I've written about this in Tale of the Tape, uh, Drew Tranquil has been pulled out of the box. If they want to keep him on field with multiple DBs when they're facing extra wide receivers... Part of that means that Drew Tranquil is going to be outside the box. That means that it's Tavon Coney in the middle by himself. 
And needless to say, they're not as good defending the run. Now, I think this week against USC, I think they can get back to a more conventional base uh, defense. Asmar Bilal's back on the field. Um, but it's, Jonathan Bonner can't get off blocks. I don't think, I'm not saying Jerry Tillery's not playing well. I'm not saying he's ineffective. I'm saying that he's not making plays. I don't believe that he was double teamed to the extent that people, I saw some people saying that he was now having sat down and, and watched the TV version of the Syracuse game. So, you know, and, and I mean, Tillery's, Tillery gives a hundred and whatever maximum percent a player can on every snap of the football. Yeah. He may be getting worn down a little bit. I just don't see him getting off blocks and making plays. And you can't, I'm not counting tackles, but they moved him to three technique to make plays, and he hasn't really been making those. So Brian Kelly doesn't seem to be concerned about the interior run defense. We've talked about this before. I asked about it, and that's fine. I just think that when you're facing Travis Etienne in late December, you yeah. might think differently about it. I have a, well, there's, that goes to my answer for this one. USC, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Honestly, if they somehow play Michigan in the playoffs, that's the best-case scenario considering the other two options right here. But if you play Michigan, I like Notre Dame's rush defense alignment versus Michigan's type of running game. So I would not be overly concerned that they can't handle that. I don't want to be flippant about this, but if they play Alabama and Clemson, you should be worried about those offenses the entire game on every single play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what? yeah, the Notre Dame running game, the run defense is going to struggle against Alabama and Clemson. I absolutely 100% promise you they will not have a great game defensively against those teams. You have to score 30 to beat them, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> if no, they play all about no don't worry. Yeah, no doubt. Pete, what do you think about this? I mean, I think the run defense is fine. Um, you know, maybe we thought it was a little bit better earlier in the year than it is now. Um, you know, I, I'm with you on Tillery. Just the, yeah, you at don't. At the end of the season, he leads the defensive line in snaps played. Like, that adds up. And I think it's, I guess I, maybe, maybe I'm sort of speaking out of turn on this, but like, I think it's probably a little bit more taxing to play three technique than defensive end because um, the next two guys are Okwara and Kareem, and they've played a lot of snaps too. Yeah. But I feel like the snaps that they're playing are just a lot more like one-on-one or hold the edge. No like doubt. Tillery's getting caught, and sometimes he gets Banged double teamed. Sometimes there. he's not. There's just a lot happening. And like he has to go through you 572 know, car crashes. And Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and, and not having MTA... I mean that that yeah. that's hurt their interior defensive line. I mean, think about all the snaps that Mike could do. Now Mike could do Treadway is not playing now, and it, <clears throat> it's Jason Amiola, and 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 that's, that's a, a great, good thing. That's that a, a really good, good thing. thing. I've written that several times. I, I, I give me Amiola every time over a guy that doesn't have any football instincts. I would not be worried, and, and to make it clear, I would not be worried about Notre Dame's rush defense at all if it weren't for these two elephants in the room waiting. But now one thing. Those teams also have not played teams as good as Notre Dame. So I, I want to even it out. My, I'm not saying it's humanly sure. impossible. But if you don't worry about your defense when you're playing Alabama, you haven't watched a single game this year. <laughs> Things are going to happen in that game, and you're going to be like, what's yeah. going on? How come we don't have seven sacks? You know, and the other thing is, I mean, just to, to, to end this and move on to the next question, Notre Dame's 11-0. and 0. You re, when, you're, when you're evaluating an 11-0 team, to you start that. to be a little bit more picky you know, like Brian Kelly and, and Ian Book Saturday. Right. I mean, you, you're, you're looking at the nuances, and so now, I mean, we're clearly at the stage now, okay, how are they going to beat? you gotta, you got to stay with the plan and stay with the process and beat USC. But at that point, now you got to beat a great football team and a football team that has been accustomed to playing in national championship games, both of them. Mm-hmm. Golden Domer, 73, all caps for the beginning here. 
What do you guys think we're exactly watching here? <laughs> we're excitable. <laughs> Question. <laughs> is this the return of Notre Dame? Can we sustain this level of success for years to come? I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, I think Pete Thamel from Yahoo wrote something on this vein on Saturday just about Notre Dame is, is set up for some uh, sustained success. That said, I, next year, I, I don't think any of us are looking at like, yeah, 11-1, and 10-2. Just the way the schedule shakes up. If Love, Kareem, and Aquara, any combination of those guys That's depart, hard for me. Um, that would be a significant blow. And I, and I don't think they're set up for sustained success in the sense of like you're not having a factory line of defensive ends just being churned out the way that it is other places. The offense next year should be really, really good. Um, so I think if you want to say is Notre Dame set up for sustained success in the sense that they should probably go nine and three next year, and maybe people can be a little down on that. Um, I think it would be a better nine and three than what it was in 2013. If I think they're in much better position to continue this than they were coming after 2012. That's like 100% certainty. I told. I mean, to me, it's if you want to talk about sustaining the type of success you're having this year, Okwara, Kareem, Love. They all have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. You can lose. Just your seniors and your seniors making decisions like Boykin. Um, but I think you need to get to this success next year. You would have to somehow have Love, Kareem, and Aquara all come back. At yeah. least at least two of three. Yeah. yeah. This year's 11-0 type thing, I'm thinking they might need everybody. And if but, you um, could, okay, and let me add to that. So if you could pick two of those three, Tim and I were kind of talking about this before you got here, Peter, before we started recording. If you could pick two of those three, Love, Kareem, Aquara, which of those two would you choose? This is like Sophie's choice. I can't do it. There's no uh, love. He's a leader and a captain, so that's the issue there. Yeah. And I, th- I'm I'm really torn on the other two. And I know, like, probably people are like, Julio Aquara is unbelievable. I think Khalid Kareem has had just a freaking incredible season. I think they've both had a great year. He has, and that's why I would pick Kareem and Aquara. Over love because I think Bracy can move in the starting up. Bracy is defending everything. Now I'm not saying he's going to be Julian Love, and I'm not taking anything away from Julian Love at all. But if I had to pick two, I'm going to take the two pass rushers. I would bring back all three and cut some. I would bring. I would bring back. <laughs> yeah, I mean because in order, in order to sustain it, you know, one of the things that Ohio State has to deal with every year is losing, is losing stars. junior yeah. stars. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't last year. I think was, was it last year or the year before? Game. It was after the Notre Dame okay, game. Okay, so it was nine guys, right? That did. That yeah, they were ju- they were right. juniors. <laughs> now, they weren't. They, they weren't like redshirt juniors. Yeah. They were juniors. Yeah, because they're really good ones coming yeah, to play. They weren't declining <laughs> a fifth year option. So if that starts happening, like if you know Chase Claypool's playing really good football, if Chase Claypool just decides, you know what. I'm going to leave. Right. Boykin's leaving too. I'll well, tell you now what, knock now them both a... out and keep these three defensive players. You will throw in. I agree. I will no, I would whatever you want. I would agree. I would agree with that. But man, you got to admit that Boykin Claypool Fink oh, are great. playing that's my, really. That's my saying that's from your... five weeks ago. These that's... guys are playing at a playoff level. Well, uh, Fink the... now, but Fink now is you know I got a guy that on, is on Twitter and like my uh, snap judgments after the game. I think he's twice in a row said. Where's number 10? Where are your comments on number 10? And then I watch the game. It's like, you know what? You're right. I mean, Fink is influencing the game in so many ways. See, I thought last week he was his best game ever against Florida State. I, I didn't. This this week they were trying to get him a touchdown and stuff like that a couple times. He had a great part return this week. But he yeah. wasn't quite as good that's as now. Was, that's but. three weeks in a row now he's had a real yeah. quality punt return that, that 
takes away two or three first downs that you now need in that ensuing drive. Will our board stop trying to replace Fink at punt returner? Oh my! Well, now they will, yeah, because now he's got a couple. Who are they trying to put in there? Well, but, back to my question. I don't know why people are trying to replace Chris Fink. It's, <laughs> they it's need, really odd. They really yeah. need Chris Fink to come back for a fifth year, which he will. Yes, he's, he's already he's, said that. He's, yeah, he's, which he will. But you know, it's to me that's the whole thing. Sustaining it is if you're if you start losing guys. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought? We said this last week, I think, after the Citrus Bowl that you're looking at. You're not going to have Miles Boykin after next year. Again, man. Stuff like that. I love the progress of those receivers. Give me love, cream, and a quarter. No, I hear you. I hear you. That's why I'm going to start with the, the, if I have to pick two, I'm going to start with the two pass rushers that I know are going to spend the entire season getting after the quarterback. And I'm with Pete. Look, I'm the Julian Aquara number one. I think he is actually, for his job, is having the best year on Notre Dame. Well, hell, I want to adopt him, too. On on defense, I'm sorry. On defense, uh, I agree with you that Kareem is just great. He has a rough. He has a harder. Actually, he has a harder role on the edge than, than right. Aquara does. Yes, his. but Julian Aquara at his role is unreal in I, terms of degree of difficulty. Yeah, Tillery yes. harder than Kareem, and Kareem, Kareem harder than Kareem Aquara. Than Aquara. But Aquara do what he yeah. has to do. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I think some of it is also like, okay, if I lose Kareem, I put in Ogundeje. If I lose Aquara, I put in Dalen Hayes. Dalen Hayes is better than Ogundeje. There's some explosive traits in that Dalen yeah. Hayes has that I, I don't think Ade Ogundeje is like has the stoutness and the pass right, rush moves. Right. I mean Kareem you, Kareem is actually has, kind of a rare player. He is. He's excellent. <laughs> um, I think I think they're both rare players, and I'm not I'm no longer being facetious. To sustain this excellence, they need those guys back. Because Absolutely. then you have their backups are great. Ogundeje will be a really good backup next year. A backup. And Dalen Hayes will be an outstanding yeah. backup nickel starter next year. What I've found Ogundeje Pass rusher, yes. Getting off yeah. blocks consistently, n- no. But a fine backup for Kareem next yes. year, right? I mean, that would be great. That's absolutely. It's like MTA this year for Tillery would yeah. be outstanding. You get the entire be... secondary back and your four defensive ends. Defense should still be really well. Bad. You're probably going to get some combination of that, right? You're not going to hit on every one of these guys because they're just playing too well. I still have to politely ask Love. Remember, we talked about that. I need to ask him to come back. Can you just come back and make football the fun for us next year? I don't really care about your money. You need, uh, <laughs> need a good quote. Can you at least call into the press conferences after the game and give us your opinion yeah. on what happened? Yeah, we need you in many ways to be part of our lives next year. All right, last question from Irish Fan 425 What do you make of the early line on the USC game being so low? Wouldn't you think the initial line would have been 14.5? It opened at 8.5. It is now, before we start recording, is at 10. I am surprised by the line. I thought that it would be two touchdowns immediately. Um, and I bet that it probably will be by the time the game starts. I think it's going to be closer to 14 than it is 10. Yeah, that's I, for sure. Know, I, I think Notre Dame will easily cover it. I thought it would have opened with nine and a half. Um, USC six weeks ago was favored by three. That line was live, which is remarkable. If wow. you got in on it, congratulations. Um, kind of for perspective, Notre Dame's second worst team I've ever seen in my lifetime, 2003. I was an eight and a half point underdog to Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert, and all those guys at Notre Dame. That's make sometimes sense. those lines don't make sense. Yeah. I agree that whatever the line gets to, if you have the means to hammer home Notre Dame on that line. If the line was twenty, I would think about it. <laughs> if it grows to twenty, no, well, you gotta like, I'm gonna hedge my bets and bet I, USC plus no, twenty. No, I think it's because I think Notre Dame will cover it. Seventeen. I think it's seventeen. You start saying what? Well, 
Because that's three scores now. Well, on a line, yeah. But Notre Dame could win by that but, much. And I do want to – I was in the Atlanta airport for a while yesterday. Um, nice. And actually got on a plane and flew right home. It was wonderful. Um, and I was kind of going – I was on a thread on our message board, and, and uh, I'm not underestimating USC. I get it. I You've lived it. I've lived – I have – of all these youngsters here, I've lived it more than anybody about – I don't remember the '64 loss and that that because that man that one is probably the most devastating. I, right. I wasn't quite old enough yeah. yet, but I'm not underestimating Notre Dame USC and how difficult USC can be. But look at the state of USC's program right now. They're going to fire the head coach. They've already demoted coaches. The players don't want to play. The players are undisciplined and getting sportsman like late hit ridiculous penalties. They just lost to the team they consider the little brother. Their practice week is going to stink out loud. Too. We've like we have all covered this game before yeah. when Notre Dame played at USC in 2008, in 2014, and 2016. If you fail to prepare against a good either Notre Dame or a good USC, you're going to get your butt whipped and that is probably what's going to happen on USC Saturday. Today is where U.S. where Notre Dame was two years ago going into this yes. game. It's interesting yeah. to see. I was talking to uh, a USC writer about uh, the fact that Clay Helton has referenced Notre Dame in 2016 as like, you know, Notre Dame was really struggling and turned it around. And uh, I think even like that's happened at Virginia Tech this year, where Notre Dame 2016 has been cited as an example of how you can turn it around. Um, that is incredibly rare, which is why it's so impressive what Brian Kelly has done. I just, I just can't see USC giving a crap about this game for at what all. to become bowl eligible. There was, yeah, they, I, I think they, they don't, don't want to play. Bowl. They don't want to play practice not to be bowl eligible. Right? They don't want to play any more football after Saturday. They don't want to spend three, four weeks. Well, first of all, they're going to play before Christmas if they win. They'd be yeah. six and six. Oh, God. I mean, they do not want <laughs> if to. You went into a final exam, and the professor was like, "If you fail this." <laughs> It's summer vacation. If you pass it, then you have another month of school. What would you do? <laughs> I just, so, so in closing, I mean, all due respect for the Nordame USC series, but look at USC right now. I can't imagine what would motivate them to play hard this weekend. Dead men walking and Julia Aquara and Khalid Kareem are the executioners. <laughs> they are going to light them yeah, and the word on USC all year has been soft in the lines. And, yeah. and, 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 and <laughs> it's a one-game thing. If your offensive line is soft, that Notre Dame defensive line is going to torture you. So, I mean, I you know, I don't want to be outrageous in a prediction, but I, I just... We just had the podcast for USC. We're good. We're off till Thanksgiving. Blow out. <laughs> Actually, I'm glad, you said, I, I'm glad you said that because we will be recording, of course, not on Thanksgiving. We'll be recording on Wednesday from the uh, Priester Studios here. Uh and uh, at that time, we'll talk about, <laughs> probably talk more about how we think Notre Dame is going to destroy USC. Yeah. So we'll try to keep all that in perspective. <laughs> and we'll be back with you We're on Thursday. Well, just like we said. Right, exactly. <laughs> First degree murder or just manslaughter. <laughs> uh, this is Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again on uh, Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.